0: Real on Reels episode 10 High Noon Shootout Deathmatch Part 2 A Fistful of Dollars Punk
1: Hey everybody it's 10am here at Real on Reels which means it's <laughs> almost noon Yeah we're counting down to our massive shootout yeah. between three classic westerns and uh, the next one up is a fistful of dollars
0: yes the Sergio Leone classic
1: yeah the film that kicked off the man with no name trilogy and even
0: though he's got a name in this one
1: yeah sort of <laughs> I think he's given a name by the coffin maker guy I don't mm. think ever actually gives himself a name but uh yeah this is the film that launched the careers of Sergio Leone, Ennio Morricone, the composer, yep. and Clint Eastwood.
0: And just to remind you guys, we are, like Jeremiah said, we're doing uh, three films. We just did Rio Bravo. We This one is A Fistful of Dollars, and the next one will be The uh, Wild Bunch. And yeah. then a fourth episode
1: where Jeremiah will put pit these films together. Jeremiah and Rob. I'm not doing a solo episode you're not you're not gonna you, you got no vacation time built up yet you gotta get a put in a little more time first damn it sorry man.
0: um but yeah, so look forward to that and these episodes these film these episodes about the films themselves are gonna be a little shorter a little, br- little briefer because we we're not gonna have any segments A bit
1: truncated
0: um but then we'll, the uh shootout episode will be a full fully fledged segmented episode
1: it'll be epic, yeah. All right, so yeah. Rob, do you want to give us a little mm-hmm. bit of plot synopsis here, so people know what? Uh, sure. So um,
0: about. this is the first of what many people consider, actually, what many people considered to be the first spaghetti western, ever. Even though a lot of Italian westerns had been made at this point, um, this is the first one that ever got any traction, and the first one that kind of changed things. And this film is the first collaboration between. Clint Eastwood and Sergio Leone. Clint Eastwood plays the man with no name or a couple people call him Joe in this film. And he arrives at this uh, dead town. It's a, 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 like almost a ghost town. There's just, there's people there. Um, There's some businesses that are barely running um, because nobody goes anywhere. The population is ever dwindling because there's two gangs in the town that are constantly fighting one another and also killing other people. Um, the only person that's getting any, any, uh, the only people that are getting any money in this town are the two gangs and the casket maker.
1: Yeah. The, the Baxters are the, are the gun gang and the Rojo's are the liquor gang and the Rojo's are the more dominant one at this right. point.
0: And the Baxters, I guess John Baxter is the sheriff. And this movie is a, it's a remake almost. It's a, well, not even almost, it's almost directly a remake of the, akira kurosawa's movie *Yojimbo*, um and it, it, leone actually got sued by kurosawa um because it's so similar did he uh win that did, did, yes okay Wow. yeah i guess he got um 15 percent of the um gross of the film
1: that's not bad it grossed uh 14 and a half million in the u.s alone yeah, so. so
0: um But anyway, Clint Eastwood plays the man with no name. He comes into this town and he's just looking for money. He's looking for the way to capitalize the best way he can on this situation. So what he decides to do is pit these two rival gangs against one another and set them up to fail and set them up to kind of distract themselves while clint eastwood goes around and yeah
1: he's the puppet master it's it's fun to watch how his machinations play out so well oh yeah yeah. and it's done in a plausible manner Mm -hmm. because he really he very quickly learns what they're each after and what you know um who their strongest guys are right what's going on you know he learns a lot from the the, townsfolk uh, well especially the the barkeep guy yeah um Um, silvatino yeah, Silvatino plays by played very very capably by Jose Calvo. Kind of looks like a
0: a short, stocky Kurt Vonnegut.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that, <laughs> but yeah, it's like a Mexican Kurt Vonnegut, but yeah. I think he's Italian. I think most of the actors are, but they're intentionally made to look kind of Mexican. <laughs> yeah, some
0: of the guys look suspiciously as if they kind of went brown face in this uh in this film.
1: Yeah, and they're um the film was shot in spain actually yeah, for the most part
0: because it was cheaper to shoot there than italy
1: right um and uh, I, I believe it's actually supposed to be a mexican town even isn't it
0: yeah they the mexican army shows up at one point right um and
1: who's giving them the gold the mexican army has the gold and they're they're buying guns they're what's supposed to be happening is that they're buying guns from the union army right right and uh so this is uh this happens pretty early on and um the man with no name and the silvatino go and hide behind a little uh, hill that probably wouldn't have actually hid them (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway they they supposedly are hiding and uh they watch this deal go down and what's really happened is that rojo uh excuse me the rojo gang ramon yeah ramon the, the 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 boss guy
0: yeah ramon is like the sharpshooter he's the he's the big rival to clint eastwood Right. He's the guy that we're not sure if Clint Eastwood can really take on. Yeah. Because Clint Eastwood, he, the first thing he does is kill four Baxters. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. how he gets everybody like, oh, crap, this new guy's in town. We got to hire him. He's amazing with a gun. Um, right. He confronts these four guys and kills them. Before they can even draw on him. And he
1: only does that because, I mean, they, they messed with him when he came in because they were shooting at his mule. But right. they he only does that because Silvatino tells him the Rojos are the more powerful ones. So he's like, oh, well, I'm going to give them a reason to hire me. Right, right. <laughs> and so he starts out in this movie just this this amoral, um, purely self-motivated um, mm-hmm. or, or selfish sure. guy who's just trying to make some money off of what any situation can get himself into. He's very. He's an opportunist. Oh is yeah. Is what I'm looking for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He, he's and,
0: not. He's not a good guy. He's an antihero, if anything.
1: Right. So um, anyway, but what what's actually ha- happening in this in this deal that right. happens is that it's the Rojo gang dressed up as union soldiers, and they're mm-hmm. gonna uh, they just mow them down with their Gatling gun. Yeah. And just make it look like it was a fight between the union soldiers and the the Mexicans by just putting uniforms on some of the guys.
0: Yeah. As soon as they bring out the gold to pay for the guns, right.
1: They grab the gold and then they just mow them down. Yeah. And, uh, so then this situation of course is presents an opportunity to the man with no name because he grabs a couple of the dead guys with the help of Silvatino and, uh,
0: Takes Set, them to the cemetery.
1: Makes them look like they're alive and that makes them look like they escaped from the battle scene. And
0: Yeah, he tells both gangs that two soldiers have survived. The Baxters are interested in getting there because they want to have these guys testify that that's what the Rojo gang did.
1: Right, because there's going to be an investigation soon.
0: Right, and then the Rojos want to kill these guys so they can't testify. <laughs> right. So they're both going towards this tip. Right, so he
1: sets up a big shootout. And um, I think
0: I think Clint Eastwood in this movie and the cable guy would get along really well.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: The plots they could come up with the schemes They're
1: both very. Yeah. They're very good manipulators. Yeah. Um, man, if name isn't quite as subtle about it because he's <laughs> just uh, <laughs> getting getting huge amounts of money that he that's why he does it. He, he gets 500 bucks from each family, <laughs> yeah. which is a huge amount of money. <laughs> right. um, he gets 500 bucks from each one because the, they each think that he's helping them. Right. By setting setting up the situation with the, the two people that, that supposedly escaped from the fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's just... He, do, he just does it for the money. He doesn't care who gets killed. And, um, of course, they the Rojo's managed to capture a Baxter. And so that sets up another opportunity for him right. <laughs> to, to make some money Yep. by, um, cause, uh, do you want to talk about Marisol?
0: Yeah. Marisol is the, this, this uh, beautiful woman that's in the town that, um, Clint Eastwood sees when he first gets there.
1: And she's the one person in the movie who's, who's uh, clean, like she's yeah. intentionally clean. Yeah, everybody and, else like, is like, she's supposed to look radiant and beautiful and she has <laughs> these blue eyes and black hair. And, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And she has a son and a husband, and they—the son is always whining. (laughs) That son of hers will not stop whining. (laughs) Um. But anyway, yeah. So the the Baxters. Oh no, I'm sorry. The Rojos. I get get, these are like the Capulets and the Montagues. I always get them. Yeah. (laughs) The Rojos are the ones that kidnap Marisol, right? Right. Okay. So. They kidnap her and...
1: Well, that that happened way before the actual events of this movie. And Silvatino explains later to the oh, man with no right. name. Yeah, yeah. He mm-hmm. explains what happened, which is that basically uh, Ramon, the top Rojo guy, he wanted her basically and just threatened to kill her husband. And that was pretty much it. So hmm. accused him of cheating in cards, which wasn't true. So it threatened to kill the husband and the boy. So she, he forces her to live with them basically. So... Um, nice, nice people. Yeah, nice people.
0: <laughs> Before we go on the plot anymore, I mean, I, we, we, I don't think we can really legally—we're not legally allowed to talk about this movie. This long without talking about Sergio Leone's directing style. Yeah, that would be a um, travesty. But yeah, let's get into it. So Leone, he kind of turned the western more violent yeah i'd say <laughs> more a lot more in your people. face
1: the vast majority of the people in this movie get murdered right yeah
0: <laughs> and uh and it's there's a lot of blood not as much as you would expect um but there's a lot for a western of the time right um i mean far more than real bravo the part when what we'll, that will get to when they're torturing clint eastwood I mean that's a pretty graphic scene. It's
1: pretty intense, yeah. Um, Makeup is really good.
0: Yeah, and Leone was like kind of the first guy to start showing people getting shot. Yeah, because like in the John, John Wayne type westerns, people get you. You see a shot of somebody pulling the trigger, and then the shot of the person reacting to the gunshot. Yeah. This one, you see all of it in one shot.
1: Yeah, and Clint Eastwood uh, had to kind of teach them a few things about how American westerns are made, but he intentionally didn't tell them about that part of it. <laughs> so. Right.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I don't know how true that is because I did read that as well, but that would be that's a very interesting because then that means Clint Eastwood had a far bigger role mm-hmm. in the development of westerns than a lot of people realize.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, down to. That, I mean, it's a big element, the whole, the, the increase of violence and yeah. just the kind of growing up and maturing of the genre in some ways. Right.
0: Because, I mean, like we're going to see with The Wild Bunch, it's going to be, the right, violence is going to ramp up even more. Oh, wow. And these films are only five years apart. I haven't seen that one, so You know, this one's five years after Rio Bravo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wild Bunch is five years after it was full of dollars.
1: Since you mentioned Rio Bravo, I just want to uh, throw out a, a couple other little interesting facts. Because... It's interesting that, that we're, we did Rio Bravo and then we're doing this one right after. And that's appropriate even more so than I originally thought because actually the um, uh, Howard Hawks was influenced a lot by Western TV shows that they were making and showing in Europe because mm. he lived in Europe for a while before he made Rio Bravo. And so that's one of the reasons that Rio Bravo is this very like character-driven movie because he wanted it to be sort of like this episodic. He wanted to be kind of like a... It would almost like something that would be like a miniseries on TV in Europe at the time. Oh, okay. And so, and the other fact that's interesting is that this, that Rio Bravo was really popular in Italy. So it came out in 59 it got sent over there and they, those people loved it. So it it actually had a direct influence on the development of this movie because it helped kick off the Italian, uh, the spaghetti Western genre.
0: Well, yeah, these movies would not have been made without American Westerns. Right ever happening um it's definitely i don't think th- i do have a preference i do prefer spaghetti westerns over american westerns but i don't think one's necessarily better than the other
1: yeah that's that's interesting i think i probably prefer the american one so that might make mm. the <laughs> the death match yeah. interesting <laughs>
0: Well, it'll it be especially interesting since The Wild Bunch is not a spaghetti Western. It is an American Western. Mm. But it's spaghetti Western influenced
1: for sure. Mm. That, so, is, that is interesting, Rob.
0: It is. Jeremiah. <laughs> so back to the plot, I guess. Um, where were we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who knows? So but we, so we were talking about... We mentioned Morricone a little bit. Oh, but yeah. the music in this movie oh. is... I don't even know what word to use because it it's it's such a big factor in the the Leone Westerns. Yeah, it sounds like a funeral. But yeah, but this is the one that started it all. Right. And it's an incredible score.
0: Yeah. It, the, the trumpets um you know, I mean
1: that's just yeah. and It's uh, yeah, so iconic. The whistling and the flutes and
0: And my favorite band the Mars Volta would open their concerts they would come out that would be like their introductory music they would come nice. out to that on stage um and it's just epic it's epic music it gives you chills every time um
1: yeah it's um it's so
0: forlorn it's so
1: and it per- perfectly matches the intensity of the the performances especially clint eastwood's performance
0: yeah and it's so simplistic too you know Leah or morricone oh hi cat uh morricone <laughs> yeah, that was ziggy meowing again <laughs> Morricone he used a lot more musicians later in his life. um I think he's still alive, but I mean like later in his career but in this early in these early stages, he's very sparse. You have a trump, one trumpet i didn't even that didn't even occur to me. You have a whistle
1: it, it sounds so full so yeah you I mean, so have somebody
0: whistling, you have a flute um and so you have some like some voices every now and then mm hmm but it, it does so much with so little. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it also that also kind of lends to its stranded feeling. The feeling of being in a dead town in the middle of
1: nowhere. You're digging deep, Rob. This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: yeah, it just, it, it just lends that to that kind of That's scenario yeah. so well. That's
1: absolutely right, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, I think actually... It feels
0: lonely. That's what I'm trying to say. The music
1: right. is lonely
0: and it's sad, but it's epic at the same time it's building towards something
1: yeah and I think one of the um one of the things that helps feed into that is that the way that the movie begins I think is really key because he rides into town and it's not in town yet actually it's outside of town and there's just these two houses randomly or like a little bit across from each other and he sees the the whiny kid running over to one of the houses and we see that the the mom has been is being you know held there held captive Mm -hmm. there and Um, you know, the dad and the kid get roughed up by the guys who are, um, you know, keeping her, keeping her there. Um, it's Marisol. That is Marisol. Yeah. yeah. She's the one who's being held. Um, and the reason why the kid's always
0: whining is because he's constantly being separated from his mom, right? (laughs) Which I mean, it's, that's not like he's just whining for the sake of it, but yeah,
1: (laughs) but yeah, it it does. It, it, it sets the tone for the movie. It's really, it's just a sad scene. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not. Uh, this doesn't have any of the light tone that a lot of the classic westerns yeah, have.
0: Yeah, the no happy ending. I mean, the, the ending, I guess, is happy.
1: Yeah, he, spoiler alert, he does get, he he does help them escape, because eventually he, he realizes, okay, I do have a moral bone in my body, and I'm going to at least help them. Yeah, he
0: gives them some money, tells them to get out of town. Yeah, And then that's when they find out, the Rojos find out that Clint Eastwood was the one that let them go, mm-hmm. and they start beating the crap out of him yeah and torturing him. yeah
1: trying to get information or trying Burn, to you know yeah. rubbing out Find cigarettes out.
0: on his hand they break his hand um yeah which i think isn't that the, a plot device in the other one in uh the good the bad the ugly
1: i don't remember it's been a while i could have
0: swore he like his hands get severely messed up in that movie maybe i'm thinking of another movie though maybe Django, the original Django, is like that
1: i'm not sure
0: i don't know but it's i've seen it used before
1: yeah but uh and so like i said that's that was a that the intro scene that sets up the the dark tone is is really key and it does become the fact that he does have um some sense that he should help this poor family Mm -hmm. um ends up driving the end you know kind of the conclusion of the film um i mean it's at least
0: he could do he punched her in the face
1: he did. He did accidentally punch her in the face at one point, <laughs> but that that's part of also, we forgot to mention that's one of the, one of the little, um, one of the little games that he sets up is that he cap he grabs her and uses, uh, lets the Baxter's use her as a bargaining chip to get mm. their guy back. Cause he was captured earlier. Right. Right. And so he, he just uses people as pawns. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the fact that he helps them is why the Baxters all get murdered. Right. So it's like this movie, it's so cynical, I guess is the word. Do you think that town was better off after
0: Clint Eastwood <laughs> left or not?
1: That's a good question. Because, I mean,
0: he did get rid of the town of all these awful people. That's but true. That, awful people were the main inhabitants
1: of that town. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting... Hmm. It leaves you with something to ponder because yeah. the only people who are really al- left alive are like the barkeep and the coffin maker who are decent and right. the family that he helps, obviously.
0: And that coffin maker, his, his business is gone. <laughs> he
1: right. could make a few more, but
0: he's not getting paid for them. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> he, had a, he had to make a lot of coffins <laughs> yeah. for this movie.
0: And he's he's done it for so long, he can just glance
1: at a person and measure them up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's... Even though
0: he's seen with tape measure later on. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's, um, but yeah, and there's a couple other neat little aspects of the script, the script, I actually think the script is the weak point because it's just, a lot of it is just like people talking about what's happening and, mm. um, and it's like, oh, we're got, we got to get him. And, and then Ramon repeats like a thousand times, go search everywhere to find him. and Um, oh, yeah. Everywhere. yeah, so it's not a movie that you watch for the dialogue, but, um, there is, it, it does Hit the right beats emotionally because it does set up the whole thing with Marisol, and right. it does a lot of this really through the performances and the cuts.
0: Yeah, and it's badass. I mean, yeah. the whole
1: movie is just Clint Eastwood is just dripping with coolness. This yeah, whole movie. I had that down in my notes. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, he's just
0: he's he's the best. I mean, there was no I, there's no better Western star. I mean, if you this will have to probably be saved for the death match, but John Wayne had nothing on Clint Eastwood.
1: Ooh. Hmm. them's fighting words but well, yeah we'll save the might the, have to wrestle over that one yep we'll we'll wrestle. <laughs> yeah but uh like i said the yeah it, it is it is an incredibly cool movie um and all of the leone westerns are just yeah like you said dripping with coolness and the yeah m- the music just creates this you know, it's like a coat of varnish you know mm-hmm. it's
0: and his use of just really extreme close-ups like mm, yeah so super zoomed in on the eyes, especially um, used in "Good, the Bad, the Ugly." Um, but I mean, it's just so
1: iconic. Even though, to, to some extent, the, the the iconic scowl was sort of an accident.
0: Yeah, because he was just trying to, you know, not have the sun in his eyes.
1: Yeah, and the bright lights that they were using. Yeah, and, and the tobacco, tobacco that yeah. he didn't
0: like smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, and it does have a a, a couple of neat little um, script. Um, like callbacks or, or whatever you call them. Um, Cause it, or there's a little bit of foreshadowing because that. You see the suit of armor early on and right. he ends up making a plate of armor for himself mm-hmm. later. Cause he escapes and recovers for a little bit by hiding in a mine,
0: a scene that's featured also in back to the future part three. Oh really? Uh, Marty McFly. Well, I think it's in part two Biff is watching that movie in the bat in the, his hot tub. And it's that scene. Oh, but in part three, when they're in the West, and marty mcfly goes against mad dog tannin he uh he does the same thing he gets like a boiler um door oh okay and he wears it around his neck
1: i got the back to the future expert over here i didn't know oh. all this stuff yeah good stuff so but yeah so he makes that pl- plate of armor for himself out of some metal that he finds there and yep. he practices his shooting and everything um and then earlier on also um when uh ramon is shooting you know showing off his shooting ability he mm. shoots a, a heart in the suit of armor and that is comes into play later did he yeah oh wow i, I didn't even just, i just thought he was shooting yeah he shoots uh, a heart into it yeah and so didn't and so attention. you know the man with no name being a clever little uh scamp that he is he throws uh ramon's words back into into his face a couple times at the end before he kills him because he says because uh, earlier also ramon says that a man with a forty five if a man with a forty five and a man with a winchester rifle meet the, the man with the forty five is dead right, and so of course, at the end he you know Ramon's got his winchester and he um man with no name kills him with his forty five and I think Ramon
0: also says something that's like a first in any western he says there's plenty of room for everybody in this
1: town <laughs> yeah. it's almost like they were that's almost like an Easter egg or something. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of room yeah. <laughs> Was it Ramon that said that, or was it the? It might. It, it might have, have been, been Esteban. His it brother. It might have been
0: Esteban. Yeah. But that was so funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was funny because I had even just said that I was like, you know, this town ain't
0: big enough for the both of us. Yeah,
1: I was going over some classic Western quotes, but um, yeah, and uh, so and this was um, I was gonna say something else about uh, the screenplay. I think I lost it.
0: Uh oh. I have derailed Jeremiah's train.
1: It's a fragile train of thought that is not easy or not difficult to throw off track.
0: Well, it's good because I will rob that train. Because this is Western stuff. And your name is Rob. That's good. Oh, my God. Not even... Yep,
1: you're right. (laughs) He stumbles into his jokes (laughs) sometimes. Every now and and then. (laughs) then. (laughs) Uh, But, of course, uh, this whole countdown thing was... Was not at all accidental. Yeah,
0: the 10 a.m., 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 p.m. Yeah, it's just high noon thing. Yeah,
1: just so happens that our our debate episode at high noon is our twelfth episode. Right, and then um, the first episode of it is yeah,
0: nine, that was all, uh, nine. That was all planned out. Yep, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Trust <laughs> us. <laughs> they don't trust us, nor should they. Um, there there is another um element to this i, I think i just remember what I was, I was trying to say we did a good job of stalling there while i was trying to get my thoughts collected <laughs> um there's a kind of a, a mythical or magical element to this movie sure yeah. um because the man with no name is not a normal person like nobody can shoot that fast or that accurately like that's it's it's pretty implausible i would say and what do you think well, mean, about that i guess
0: but I'm somebody not, can a, get that. I mean,
1: it's, it, it's what, not he, a criticism necessarily. It's just but I,
0: I know, but what I'm saying is, like, I don't think it's totally impossible that somebody could shoot that fast. Hmm. I mean, we see him doing the moves. We see him actually shooting the gun. That's true. Could somebody get that good? By that's all they do all day is practice. Sure.
1: It would be nuts because I don't know. I guess if you were so used to where exactly your hand had to be. To yeah. hit a cert, to to well, hit yeah. a target at a certain distance from you, and I mean it's yeah. Just, he's
0: not really aiming; he's firing from the hip. He's fanning the right, but he knows hit, exactly hit, where to put, put the bullets. That's right, what's right.
1: crazy and unreal, uh, kind of unrealistic about it to me. But I guess if you were if you practiced that much, maybe. But anyway, continue on with your point. <laughs> well that that was that was pretty much was it, just just it. But I, I think that actually plays well with um, with the the style, the overall style, because sure. it is it is kind of. Mm-hmm. Over the top, it is... Style
0: over substance, almost.
1: Yeah, to some extent, yeah. I would say that's true for this movie to some extent. I think it does get better. The substance gets better, I think, with his... Excessive... Well, I don't think
0: the substance is any worse. Is I don't think the substance is bad. I just think that style was ultimately the more important yeah. thing for Leone.
1: Yeah, and historically, I mean, that's what this movie is remembered for. It's for how it, how it um, changed the style of the Western. Right. So, so what would you, uh,
0: what would you give this one?
1: I think that I would score this. Um, if I had to rate just the music, it would probably be like almost a 10. Right. <laughs> um, cause that is, that is probably my favorite thing about it. Um, but I think I'm going to give it a 7.3. Ooh. Okay. I think I've used that rating before, but I like that one for yeah. this movie too. <laughs>
0: um, I will give this one an eight point two.
1: Okay, I actually thought you might be a little higher on it, but
0: um, I mean, I like this one. I prefer Good, the Bad, the Ugly. It's twice as long,
1: right? And yeah, this is kind of filled a short... with even more a- attitude. This is kind of a short movie. It's like yeah. an hour and thirty nine minutes, but
0: yeah, uh, for, for the kind of westerns that we were watching, it, it is short.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we uh we decided not, not to go with the good the mad the ugly because this one is has a it's, it fits in better with what we're trying to do with kind of tracking the development of the genre of like the late western right. connecting the this classics was, to the modern.
0: Yeah, and this one is like the first right. stepping stone of foreign westerns. Yeah. Um so yeah, let's uh how did uh, how do the people on IMDb feel about it what was our how do our score stack up to imdb
1: so the the critics uh tomato meter is 90 no, no. Per- imdb oh i I'm, oh sorry just jumping ahead here jumping ahead so the imdb score is eight. eight oh so, okay. solid eight
0: so that's not that bad yeah i think the,
1: the other two dollars uh films are have somewhat higher ratings which is impressive because it's hard to get a, high, a rating that high on imdb right and uh so all movie gives it four um good the Bag and the ugly gets five so does um the other, another leone classic um once upon once upon a time in the west mm. do you ever see once upon a time
0: in america i've not his um uh, mafia movie no i've been it's, meaning to it's really good it's, a, it's another long one it's like four hours long oh wow i think
1: that's another five star one on all movie
0: uh, yeah but it's phenomenal i was really into uh mafia movies when i was in middle school and i watched that and I was like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it because it was—it's very slow. Mm. But it's a good one.
1: Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get into a mafia series. Ooh, yeah, some, one of these days. That'd I'd be good. totally into that. Yeah.
0: But anyway, uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics ninety-eight percent, audience ninety-one percent. Um, should we get into some of those reviews?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Well, uh, let's see. I want to look for some rotten ones because wants to hear opinions that we're probably going to agree with. That's that's no fun. Here's a rotten one. Christopher Knoll, FilmCritic.com. Call me a heathen, but this has never been one of my favorite spaghetti westerns. This heathen better get out of my face. <laughs> he, gave, he gave it a two and a half out of five.
1: Which I think I'd is like, unfair. Like to... I'd like to hear what his favorite spaghetti Westerns are. Yeah. I think if you're going to say something like that, you should at least be like, Oh, this other spaghetti Western I think is a better example of it.
0: Right. Oh, wow. That was the only critic rotten one I could find.
1: And that was all I could say about it. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure he's got a full review. Some of these oh, are just kind of snippets, yeah. but um, top critic Simon Abrams with village voice says fresh. Every genre loving moviegoer should see at least once projected on a theater screen i would love to do that i'd love to see this projected yeah um but let's take a look at what some of the audience has
1: to say here's a good one some named someone named harsh c Ooh. (laughs) they give it one star the first in a new era of tough guy westerns with ridiculous story (laughs) gratuitous killing and only four different gunshot sound effects (laughs) gratuitous shooting if you don't want gratuitous killing, then stay away from the late Westerns.
0: The sound effects thing, I, I, I can kind of see, I mean, there's that, that one ricochet sound that's always used, that patow, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. There are a lot of gunshots in this movie. I wonder yeah. if anybody's counted. And <laughs> well, a mean, lot
0: of, that Gatling gun scene, I don't know how you count that.
1: Yeah. A ridiculous amount of cuts too, because it's just constantly cutting back and forth between people People's shooting, eyes. people getting shot. At, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Robert B. says, About as realistic as most Westerns, which is t- to say, not realistic whatsoever. And as such, tedious to watch. A waste of a few hours, not one interesting or believable storyline.
1: Waste of a few hours? It's only an hour and a half. This guy would probably watch it twice.
0: This movie's repetitive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> uh, Ken D. With a... Nice haircut, Uh, (laughs) Kendi. Two and a half stars says, Spawned an era of spaghetti westerns. But the movie itself doesn't stand up that well to the test of time, in my opinion. Like the visual style in Eastwood, not much else. Alrighty then. Test of time, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. And then finally, we'll, we'll give Shane D... (laughs) who I assume is Kendi's uh, cousin or brother maybe father maybe well we'll just give him the final word a classic (laughs) Eastwood moment but you have to be uh, really into spaghetti westerns to want to sit through this I'm more of a fan of Peckinpah Eastwood so this was somewhat of a struggle so yeah Peckinpah is the director of the Wild Bunches wild oh. bunches, which is what we're going to be watching next. So that ties in perfectly. Nice
1: unintentional segue there,
0: Rob. Yeah. Um but yeah, do you have anything else you'd like to say about A Fistful of Dollars, Jeremiah?
1: Uh I did, but I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well,
0: fortunately, we have two more episodes in the series. So if you think about it, write it down, and we'll bring it up in the next one of the next episodes.
1: Yeah, this is a nice way for us to to do some cleanup. Yeah, to really dig into these movies and yeah,
0: we'll uh, get our teeth in.
1: Yeah, give us an opportunity to make points we forgot.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, until next time, we uh, are close. We're nigh upon. We're nigh upon eleven o'clock in the morning. It is almost high
1: noon. partner <laughs> The, shoot, this, the shootout is imminent. And
0: this podcast ain't big enough for the three of these movies. I think it is. It might be, but
1: <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a jam pack. The scores one. need the score needs to be settled. It does. Who will win?
0: Howard Hawks, Sergio Leone,
1: or Sam Peckinpah? with the help of the likes of Wayne Eastwood and I don't know who stars in the Wild Bunch. Wayne Eastwood. I was just giving the names. Wayne <laughs> oh, Eastwood. There's a comma. Wayne. Yeah. Uh, there, there was no comma. This this, this space, the space the time that I allowed did not quite From
0: now on, podcast rules for Jeremiah. He has to say the <laughs> word comma when he intends for there to be a comma.
1: The comma needs to be, re- be represented by slightly longer silence than what I gave it.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh Sorry everybody. Yeah. I'm sorry too for, on behalf of my partner, partner.
1: <laughs> All right. So please subscribe if yeah. you haven't already. Um, we Twitter, appreci- Facebook. Yeah, we appreciate every each and every one of you for listening to our rantings.
0: Yep. Reel official at Gmail dot com.
1: It's been fun, and um, we're gonna just just keep keep putting them out there.
0: Yeah, and uh, into the ether. Right. And next time we'll be talking about the Wild Bunch.
1: Goodbye. Ciao.